Welcome back to the Fairly Unorthodox podcast with me, Jessica Lee Jones. We're joined by our first guest of the series today, Bethan Wright, Director at Red Digital. Bethan's role is to help business owners to grow their online presence with social media and marketing. And today, Bethan's going to be telling us a little bit about her personal journey into entrepreneurship. Very timely podcast, as just last week we ran our first ever entrepreneurship boot camp with Bridgen College. We had delegates from across software development, marketing, mental health advocacy, even estates and facilities management. So it just goes to show entrepreneurship is a career path available to everybody. And with Bethan's help today, we're going to be finding out a little bit more about how we can make it work for you. So, Bethan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to start off? Well, firstly, thank you so much for that lovely intro. You made me sound far more interesting than I probably am. Um, yeah, I... I definitely never intended to be an entrepreneur which is really interesting to me that you mention um how accessible entrepreneurship is to people i think especially in the current climate in the world that we live in lots and lots of individuals who've always been employed are starting to consider entrepreneurship and that's definitely what happened with myself i was somebody who loved my work i loved being in a corporate environment in an office um and I also loved freelancing. I loved trying to keep myself on the edge of what was happening. I loved being able to keep my skills sharp by doing this additional work outside of my full-time job. So my business began as a side hustle, you could say, a side hustle that was never intended to become a full-time hustle. And I made the move as things started to go crazy with the world. I moved into part-time work in 2020 so that I could balance those two things a little bit better. And unsurprisingly to those who know what happened in 2020, the world of digital in which I sit in the digital marketing world absolutely exploded. And therefore, so did my quote-unquote side hustle. Um, and from that, that's where I developed the business to where it is today, which is an agency with four to five employees at this point and recruiting right at the minute, actually. Oh, it's amazing. It, you know, we're going to dig into how you've done that and, you know, sort of the processes you've been through in a minute. But I'm really, really interested in that sort of, it's almost a dirty word now, isn't it? We say so often, but that reference to COVID that you made, yeah. you know, and, and I love the term side hustle. And I think, you know, certainly as the as the next generation come through, more and more people are, I suppose, wanting more of a purpose in their work. You know, they, they don't want to get up and go to work and do the same thing every day and, and work for somebody else. And you're seeing lots more people, I suppose, starting these side hustles. But I'm really interested, I suppose, in the the impact of the pandemic, you know, positive or negative on sort of your situation and, and how, if at all, that sort of really prompted you to, to take the leap. Yeah, well, I, I mean, took a partial leap right before it happened. And I was left in this situation where my family were terrified, like, what are you going to do? You're only on part-time income now you left your great corporate job like you you must be crazy and all, all of these sorts of thoughts of what was I going to do and when the pandemic hit it was ropey for a little bit I'm not going to try and pretend like everything went smoothly and I'm this wonderful business owner who just sailed across it that that didn't happen for us it was really tough at the beginning um I think only after we started to see industries open back up and the first lockdown really come to a close was when 
uh, we started to see more customers come back into the business. And that was what I would say is the key turning point for myself and for our business. Um, I managed to hold on and make it through the, the kind of element of the pandemic. Um, and then when I would say August, September of 2020 hit, there was an influx of people who were either leaving their work, they'd either gone onto a furlough and discovered that they actually hated their jobs and they didn't want to be doing it anymore. And they wanted to set up their own companies. Um, or they were people who had had a really tough year, a really tough start of 2020 and knew that they needed to invest in a marketing strategy that they hadn't yet done so and um, so we saw a huge influx of customers at that time that I don't think I would be in the shoes that I am now without that wave that came in in the kind of late autumn of 2020. Now it's really fascinating and you know it's interesting when a, when a recession hits and times are hard for businesses usually the first budget to be cut is either marketing or, or learning mm -hmm. and development. So it's really interesting how actually most companies who have survived the pandemic have made quite significant investments in their digital infrastructure, in their marketing, uh, but also in their staff, you know, in learning and development and, and building these digital skills and becoming more creative and, and agile as organisations. And, you know, certainly from a, a personal perspective, I can really resonate with your story because, you know, we, we, myself and my co-founder, Tom, who did the, the previous podcast episode with me, I mean, we were employed kind of full time when we had the concept for Younger and, you know, really all we wanted to do was was kind of create the connective tissue and, and you know, sort of join up policymakers with employers and, and training providers. And it was never really intended to be a revenue generating business. Mm -hmm. such. It was just something that we felt really passionate about. And so we started it up pre-pandemic. And similar, I suppose, to, to what you alluded to there, when the pandemic happened, we actually got furloughed and we spent all this time sitting at home, probably drinking a bit too much, if I'm being perfectly honest, thinking, you know, is this what we want to do with the rest of our lives? Or actually, is there a bit more to, to work? And, and is this an opportunity with so much disruption and so much uncertainty? You know, what's the guarantee we're going to go back to a job anyway? Why don't we just just take that plunge and just see where it leads. I really get that. And I'm sure that lots of people listening will have had similar thoughts, similar feelings, similar reflections on their on their careers and their lives. I'm sure many people will be inspired to take a, a similar leap. So I suppose your business is really different to mine. So I'm interested in understanding how did you go about doing it? What were the steps that you took? And you're employing four or five people already. So things have clearly moved quite quickly but how did you get it off the ground in that space of time with all of that stuff going on yeah it was definitely one of those moments where it was a bit of a catch-22 the business was growing and I was struggling to keep up with it until there was a bit of a break and we were able to employ that first period when it was just myself and trying to juggle this influx of new customers was a really difficult time and I think a lot of the people in my world in my life look at that as a period of success and when I look back at that period of time it was quite a dark one for me personally it was quite hard to be able to take on what was coming through um what well, I felt completely alone I felt that I had no support and I was sat in the spare room <laughs> on on the desk as many people have been in in developing businesses in this time um 
so what I really decided quickly was I needed to try and take myself out of as much of the day-to-day as possible. It was clear to me that I was what was bringing in clients. So I needed to stop doing the doing the do, so to speak, stop doing the client work and look to outsource that. Um, and that's not feasible in all businesses. I'm very aware that in my industry, I'm lucky that there are some wonderful marketing freelancers out there and it's, it's a task that can be delegated. Um, so I quite quickly looked around and started recruiting for freelancers within the business I was not in a position to be able to employ um but I would be able to to hand over some hours to freelancers so that I could free up at least a little bit of time for myself to focus on developing the business and developing relationships that is I think the key to where we've seen our success is in networking in speaking opportunities and in building relationships with the people that we've met through those those previous two options um and being quite agile like you said to turn that digitally how can we develop relationships through the likes of linkedin how could i start to develop a business contact and friends who would ultimately become a customer and we really put all of our efforts, I initially just myself, but now as we've built the team, our efforts have continued to be within those elements um, by building community and friends around us to act as cheerleaders of our, our business and our services and be able to pass along referrals, be able to work with us themselves when it's within budget and an option um but to just be top of mind that's really how I think we saw our success really really interesting I know we're going to dig into the networking topic in a in a future episode so I don't want to give away any spoilers there but I suppose the question that a lot of people will be asking particularly if they work for a startup or are thinking of of starting up a business is how did you fund that? I mean, did you get investors on board or was this something that organically you grew? Did you take a kind of project approach? How did you achieve that in your business, Bethan? Yeah, I did not take any funding. I did not take any funding at all. I've worked entirely off investing back into the business what I made initially. So pretty much I only took a salary for my part-time work and I scrimped and I cut back significantly on my spending and I was working 24 hours a day pretty much anyway so it wasn't like I had time to go out and spend it um, and the money within the business became the investment for the business. We did end up taking a business loan through the support of Business Wales and the Development Bank of Wales when we were looking to employ just to give us a little bit of a boost in the cash flow area. I was a little bit nervous about employing. Um, so I wanted that back up. But we have not thought of any further investment. We have very much used what the company has to invest future. Yeah, I think that's really smart. And again, I can really echo what you're saying around sort of cash flow. You know, as a, as a startup, cash flow is king, isn't it? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. kind of how profitable you are how many orders you've got in the book if you haven't got cash in the bank to pay your your staff then uh, things run into difficulty pretty quickly so you know hats off to you you know real credit to you for building that organically you know on your own and I'm I'm really I know it's a sensitive subject but I'm really keen to just if, if you're happy to understand a little bit about what you mentioned around you know mental health I mean this is such a big topic at the moment you felt 
alone when you were doing this maybe your family and your friends thought Bethan you know what the hell are you doing you've got a really good job why are you taking the risk Mm -hmm. at this crazy time you know global recession you know how did you deal with that and do you have any sort of I suppose techniques or strategies tactics that you could share with other people because this isn't just you and me right we're all going through this you know whether we're we're business owners or whether we've just been stuck in the house for 24 18 24 months so what's your sort of advice yeah well I definitely didn't have any strategies when I first felt that and I think that's part of the issue is I'm a bit of a workaholic and I was so excited that this thing that I never thought would happen was happening that I went all in with the business and I I lived breathed ate drank slept the business it was the only thing on my mind even when I was having time off I was thinking about content ideas or oh and we could work on this thing and maybe I should launch something new and and my brain was going a million miles an hour which was great for development but not very great for myself and my mental health so I'm more than happy to share that I had definitely a little bit of a bout of burnout that was creeping on in and there were days that were really tough where I remember waking up one morning and literally having tears rolling down my cheeks and my boyfriend who lives with me was like what's what's the matter what's going on and I was like nothing like I did not feel upset I did not feel like I should be crying but they were literal physical tears rolling down my cheeks as a sign I think of that exhaustion my body was just trying to get through to me to stop and to take a break um and since then I've changed things drastically there are uh, much more things that we've done now to implement a little bit more sanity into the business and into my day-to-day and my work-life balance um so one of the big things is getting out of the damn house, whether that's going for a walk down the beach or whether that's literally just going around the block with the dog. I have to get out of the house at least once a, once a day, no matter how busy I am. We, I need just a quick 10 minute lunch break to get away. Um, and I limit my hours. I'm only allowed, <laughs> I say this like I'm a child, I've got rules. I'm only allowed one late night working a week. Whereas previously, I think every night was late night working. So if I run over from to kind of six-ish, if I start to run over that mark and I feel like I really can't stop, then I got to commit that's going to be my one night a week that I'm working late. So if I need to work until 9 p.m. that night, that's the only night it's allowed. Um, so if I'm on a roll, I don't inter- interrupt myself, but it's about making sure I limit that. Um, and the other thing that I find really helpful is brain dumping activities. Before I felt that I would keep everything in my head, I I was managing it solely on my own. So I knew everything and I felt like I had tabs on a computer that were all open and running at the same time. Now, one of the big things that I do is at the end of every workday, I write down anything and everything that pops into my brain. And before I leave the office, that document is there then to deal with the next morning with all of those ideas fresh and without having to worry about, oh, I'm going to forget them. So I've got to do a bit more work before I forget this. Really, really good tips and advice there. And I suppose the challenge for you now as you grow your business as you take on staff is how you set those examples for other people and how you build that culture I mean how are you doing that you know have you have you got sort of 
I don't know, visible values? Have you got kind of like blogs or, you know, diaries that you keep around these sorts of things? How do you make sure your staff don't fall into those same pitfalls? Yeah, that's something I'm very passionate about. I felt that when I was working in corporate, there was very much this um, attitude of whoever was working the latest was working the best. And I do not want that to be replicated in my business. So for one, we don't actually have formal set work hours. Um, If my staff want to wake up and they've got a headache and they want to start late or they've they're just not in it and they need to get to the gym that morning and and clear off that's not a question in my head um as long as meetings are met within work hours and kind of emails are answered on clients if they're urgent there is no nine to five put in place within the business now a lot of people have critiqued me about that actually and said well how do you know they're not working extra or more hours Um, But I'm definitely the biggest advocate for it's all about give and take. And I understand that there are certain days where we've got client deadlines. We work on social media as a biggest product or service that we sell. So there are times where the social media schedules are running out for three clients all in the same week. And it's really inconvenient, but that's, that's how it's landed. So our staff have to create and write and schedule that content all within the same time period but then there will be three weeks of of rest on that where I expect them to take their foot off the gas and I have made it known and it's a common conversation how are you doing are you feeling burnt out is this deadline realistic and reasonable are the first questions we kind of ask when we're working with our employees and this goes for our freelancers as well actually this is an ongoing thing that we're trying to support people with I've been known to spy and see Instagram posts from my team members at like midnight that they're still working and I'll I'll get on them and be like, turn your computer off, what are you doing? Um, so it's all about our relationship with our staff, I would say. We all work from home, so having a poster in the office is not feasible for us. It's all about that regular check-in and messaging. We have slack personally I know some people use teams some people use different processes we use slack and quite regularly on slack there'll be updates and opportunities for people to book in calls with their managers or with myself to reflect any issues or any um kind of difficulties they might be facing whether that's personal or that's business and we really do try to support them in and out of work with their work-life balance and their personal goals Absolutely. And I think that work-life balance piece is so important. I I saw something recently, you know, in the press, maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, Whitney Hurd from Bumble. Uh, So she she made two announcements in in quite quick succession. So the first one was that she'd recognised that her staff were burnt out. And so she gave everybody, and I think there's about 700 of them, so it proves that you can do these things at scale as well. She gave every single one of her staff a week off to recover um, from a from a really you know challenging and and busy and quite exciting period you know in 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 the development of her business which recently floated on the stock exchange and then off the back of that probably you know only a few weeks or a month later she announced a new policy that she was going to give all of her staff unlimited time off now isn't that fascinating as a policy 
Um, and, you know, when I've mentioned this to people, they go, well, that's ridiculous. How does that work? People just won't turn up. But I think it's it's that mental shift from being measured based on bums on seats and hours in an office to actually being measured on what, you know, the, the, the quality of the work that you're producing and the value that you're creating for the business. That's really interesting, actually, because we, we considered that. We considered unlimited holiday when we developed our very first employment contract. I sat with a HR consultant and we talked through our values and that was something that was floated as an idea. And we actually decided not to do it because studies that have been done through the likes of huge companies like Netflix um, is one in particular that I know I've seen, is that the time on leave was actually less because people felt that they were almost um, unsure of what the rules were. Like, is it okay for me to take a day off when it was a a free-for-all in that way? So we've actually gone away from that model, but it was something that I've really, really considered at the very beginning and something that we are working towards with this idea of work-life balance. And my staff are probably listening to this like, oh, yay, Um, it's not ready yet, but we're working towards the four-day work week that is hugely controversial at the moment but also a really buzz topic um and I do think that giving people just a little bit extra time to deal with their kind of life admin is going to be so much more valuable they're going to be on task more when they're with me productivity shoots through the roof for four-day work weeks um and they'll be happier And that's honestly one of my biggest values is making sure that they're all happy and healthy and able to work at the highest standard. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and again, you know, we've considered both of those sorts of policies in our business. And I I think ultimately it comes down to horses, courses, doesn't it? Different businesses need different things. But something that I really didn't anticipate. So I so I went into this business thinking, you know, not only are we going to make a really good business and a really good product, but we're going to make a really nice organization, a really good organizational culture to be part of. Um, and so I anticipated based on my experience of, of being in a corporate and being quite restricted and having to work set hours in set places, I anticipated that my staff would want, you know, total flexibility, total freedom to work remotely, to work when they want to. You know, we've got some guys, interestingly, that work at kind of two o'clock in the morning and that's when they function best. And that's fine because they're not in a client facing role. They're in a development role. And that's absolutely fine for us. But what I really didn't anticipate was that particularly our younger staff and we're about 70 percent under 25. I'm not in that bracket, unfortunately, but about 75 percent of the organization is under 25. And they really want structure. And this fascinated me, right? Because I was like, you know, doing induction saying, these are your hours, you can work them when you like. We expect you to be available at certain times to meetings, but beyond that, you can do what you like. And people really, really struggled with that. And I think there's something about coming out of education where you're in a very structured environment, you turn up to lectures at the same time every day or every week or whatever it is, you have very, very clear deadlines. And I think there's something about moving from that really rigid, structured environment to moving into a startup where you've got ambiguity, right? The goalposts move all the time. You get different clients. They want different things. I mean, you'll know this, Beth, and right? The priorities change all over the place. And so to give people that level of ambiguity and then say, oh, you can work when you like. (laughs) I think it was a real challenge for a lot of people. and, And we're kind of 
muddling our way through that and get into a sort of happy balance at the moment. Yeah, I definitely have noticed that um, a fair few of our staff still ch choose to work nine to five. Um, but my thing is about breaking that mindset around their hours. For example, um, our business development manager within the business said to me last week, oh, and I'm, da -da 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 -da, and I'm gonna go to the gym tomorrow morning if you don't mind, so I'll work a late. And I was like, you'll, you'll do a what? There's no such thing as working a late. We don't have shift patterns. Um, you, if you want to go to the gym, you can absolutely go to the gym. And if you want to work through and from 11 to late, do what you want. But it's completely up to you how you split these, split these hours. You don't feel chained to the desk until eight o'clock because you have to work a late. Um, and that was really interesting to me because we've always preached about being able to have that flexibility and it's it's what people fit into and what they suit and in her working life it was very much like flexi time roles so if you went in late you finished late and it's just a habit that maybe needs to be broken or maybe you could argue that that's just what she's more comfortable with and if she knows that her hours are done in that set pattern it's it's something to kind of lean on and some structure like you said yeah, it's really interesting. I think the whole psychology coming out of lockdown and working with different demographics of people is is really, really interesting in itself. So I'm quite interested, I suppose, as a as a marketing agency, how do you market yourself? How do you market your business? What sort of works for you? Good question. I get this is like the million dollar question, right? That I should be charging the big bucks for if it's what everyone's going to do. Um, for us, we've actually had a lot of trial and error. So ironically, um, social media is maybe not our best referral of leads, even though a lot of our customers work on social media. I personally have found that content creation um, content marketing in the form of things like podcasts, things like YouTube videos, even to some extent, some social media content that provides a, a certain level of value has been a great source of our marketing. It is how people find us if they have no idea who we are um, without us having to do the going out and finding to bring people into us through a kind of inbound system. We heavily rely on content marketing and um, so for example we've got a youtube video that i put out at the beginning of 2020 and i still to this day get people who stumble across that video and go i really need help with my email marketing and i saw your video about it can you help me and ask for a discovery call and they they've pretty much sold themselves they've decided before they've got in touch with me that they're interested um but I don't solely lean on inbound. I think a lot of marketeers are all for having people come to you. I agree. I think that's the best way. But I do think that takes time. And I take, think that takes brand awareness and reputation that take a few years to develop. So the other thing that we do on an outbound side is a lot of community management on social media. We do a lot of commenting on other people's LinkedIn posts. We do a lot of drop-ins to mailboxes that are not your, hi, I'm Bethan from Red Digital and I'd love to tell you about my digital marketing services. Absolutely not. They are, hiya, thanks for connecting. What is it exactly that you do? And the very early openers of a conversation. Um, and those two places are the first places that I recommend my clients start. Even if we're running their social media, 
I always say like do you have time to make some YouTube videos or to film a podcast or even be on someone else's podcast because I think the community management is key to what we can do on social but content creation and being the kind of the face of your business is gonna pay off in the long run within the next 5, 10, 15 years. They say content is king, don't they? And I think that absolutely holds true. I have a blog about that on my website if anyone would like to go see. It's literally titled (laughs) Content is King. (laughs) Nice little plug. I actually hadn't seen that before we came on this call, but uh, I'll be sure to read it afterwards. But yeah, you know, absolutely, again, really sort of echo what you say. Um, The brand awareness point is interesting, right? So a little sort of insight, and Tom will kill me when he hears this this recording, but... um, in, in the early stages of our business, I mean, we're building a tech platform um, and we were kind of looking initially at a B2C model. So we were really looking to engage with users directly. And so paid ads, right? <laughs> That's what we thought we'd do, paid ads. And uh, Tom, I mean, he must hold some sort of world record. He managed to spend about £1,000 in three days bidding on our own name, which, as you'd imagine, not many other people were bidding on. So... <laughs> So there's some real horror stories, I think, on how you can get marketing strategies completely wrong and spend a lot of money in a very short space of time. (laughs) Oh, it's really tough. That's the one thing I say, actually, if anyone is listening and they're within the kind of early days of their business and trying to get out there, don't look at spending money yet. If anything, you want to spend money on training or a marketing expert to come in and advise you so that you can do that stuff properly. Because, yeah, I've had some... In horrendous stories of people spending thousands on things that are completely irrelevant to what they're after and seeing zero results from it. Absolutely. Yeah, some wise words there for sure. <laughs> we certainly learned the hard way on that one. Um, okay, so, you know, I suppose, what's your favorite thing about being your own boss running a business? Oh, it's actually really boring, but forward planning. I like give me a spreadsheet and a whiteboard and I'm having the best day of my life I love all of that sort of element of what we're going to do and and how it's going to work in the future and a little bit of that kind of seeing the future and trying to predict what's going to come up based on what we've done in the past um that is absolutely my favorite thing to do and is where I'm trying to spend the most of my time at the minute is away from kind of the day-to-day tasks that we all know that is so easy to get sucked into managing emails and all that sort of stuff and really just focusing on my sweet spots of the strategy for the business and for our clients. Mm, I was going to ask actually is is that specifically the strategy for where your business is going or you know is it I suppose quite interesting to dip in and out of different businesses understand different market segments you know different industries and what makes them tick and where they're going yeah 100 percent. definitely mostly our own business we have some incredible staff who are able to take over for strategies for clients and um, i do still get involved in that i probably shouldn't my business mentors listening going like why <laughs> um but i can't help myself i do love it i think it's really fascinating like you said to see as well from um like marketing best practice how i can apply the same principles to any business by just making it specified to their niche and their ideal customer and it'll get 
similar, if not the same results, no matter where they are, um, or at least close enough is fascinating. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And I'm sure you almost pick up some kind of best practices. I certainly find I do a lot of board work. So I'm a non-executive director for a number of different organizations. And I, it really fascinates me seeing the different types of risk matrix, matrices that can be created <laughs> or it sounds really boring, but, you know, the different types of balanced scorecards that exist. And you can almost, you know, shamelessly steal some of that best practice as well. And, you know, as, as long as it's not violating any copyright or anything, you can kind of share that within your own business and across clients. I always find that really, really interesting, you know, taking that best practice from different sectors. You know, my background's manufacturing. So some of the stuff that we do around lean and process efficiency and problem solving and seeing how that can be applied in a kind of more agile uh, tech development environment is always quite interesting. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny that like, I'm, I'm obviously looking at things from a marketing point of view. But I do think that you've got you've got a point there that regardless of what industry you're coming from that can be applied across multiple different sectors um and best practice can look like the same thing for different sectors I think a lot of people go oh well how do you like change what you do to work with all these different clients and to serve different industries and the reality is best practice is best practice in most cases and there's some minor tweaks um to fit who you're talking to but the overarching strategies are often the same good business is good business they say after all right yeah totally and I think you get a lot of that sort of you know quite old school attitude of that doesn't work in my company or that doesn't work in my industry and sometimes you just need to tweak the language a little bit so that it sounds you know a bit more kind of familiar mm-hmm. um because I think you know it, it can be frightening you know marketing has evolved so much hasn't it from you know sending out press releases and, and writing blogs and things I mean it, it, marketing is so vast now and it's probably I suppose, quite an overwhelming subject for a lot of people who are still stuck in some quite traditional mindset. So it's finding that way of selling best practice to them in a way that's familiar and comfortable. Yeah, and it changes almost daily, especially when you're talking about social media marketing. There was the big update from Facebook that happened, what, over the weekend, I think, while while we're filming this, um, that they're changing to Metaverse. Um, sorry, to Meta and talking about building a Metaverse in the future. These updates come so fast, like in this period of time as well. Instagram have updated their stickers. So now every user can share a link on their stories. That sounds like something really minor, that you've got a new sticker on a new social media app. For me, as a social media marketer, that means we have to change strategy for how we're going to develop stories for all of our clients. Another thing that we do is that we actively participate in social media ourselves. So I highly recommend to all our staff and all our freelancers that they are online developing a personal brand for themselves not necessarily to bring us leads as the business or anything like that, just for them to stay in the loop with what works and what doesn't on a practical basis that they can test and try without consequences. Whereas when they're testing and trying on behalf of clients, sometimes they might get in a little bit of trouble if something hasn't worked the way that they'd anticipated. So having a play account almost that they can do all this sort of stuff with is something we really, really encourage. 
I think what's really interesting with your team as well, Bethan, is that you are employing other entrepreneurs, you are employing freelancers, and you are, you know, helping them to develop their portfolio careers or their, you know, Mm -hmm. their kind of businesses as well. So just to round it off, what would be your advice to not not even necessarily young, but to aspiring entrepreneurs, wherever they come from in amidst this COVID pandemic, what would be your advice to them? I would say to be kind to yourself and and give yourself a break if needed, both literally and figuratively, um, and to put relationships first. One thing that we've seen the biggest success from is the relationships that we've developed so I do think that that is the key to early doors of business not just because you're going to get more leads from it and you're going to find customers that way but because it can also alleviate a little bit of that solopreneur sensation where you're literally in it alone and you're figuring your way through your day-to-day by yourself and without being cliche I don't want to do the whole hashtag business bestie thing but if you have somebody that you can trust and rely on to be open with about your struggles and not just be pitching to I think you're going to see a lot more camaraderie and a lot more respect from the people that you're you're working with um so I do think that building relationships and being vulnerable with the people that you're building relationships with is probably going to be crucial for anyone that's within the beginning stages of their entrepreneurship well 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 solopreneur that's a new one on me <laughs> word of the podcast i think i'll thank you ever so much for that beth and it's been really really interesting to to get to know you i suppose and to find out about your story and i can certainly feel a lot of synergies with with my own in the journey that we've been on in our business and you know i certainly hope and i i believe that that will have been a really really useful kind of digest for our listeners so unfortunately that is about all we've got time for today i have got an exciting announcement though so we are uh, going to be doing another podcast very very soon in about two weeks time and this one will be a bit of a deep dive actually with our education manager at younger bradley tanner who's going to be talking about transferable skills and and actually how you can identify those transferable skills so, so stay tuned for that thank you very much nostar good night thank you all for listening